Revelation 21. And let's look at this here. Again, I started this, basically just got started to get into the first point when we ran out of time um, last week, so or last Wednesday. Revelation 21, verse number 1. It says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no, no more death, neither, shall, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we do ask your blessing upon the service this evening. I pray that your word would encourage, would, would do the work that needs to be done in each heart. Lord, may it draw us closer to you and strengthen us in our walk, Lord, and change us. So please control what I say, how I say it. Help me to stay true to your word, and may you be glorified. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So last week, I, uh, my introduction into this was really just leading in, in something that I am so thankful for in this chaotic world, and that is what is to come, what we have coming in the future. And I talked a little bit about about second heaven, where the, all the stars and the galaxy, and again, just how incredible it is. I mean, to think of the vastness, and the only thing I even focused on last week, and I'm not going to go more into that now, was just our galaxy, which is how big our galaxy is. You know, that there's, there's, there's I, I mentioned different stars, we could try the North Star, 400 light years away. That's just the North Star in our galaxy. Take you 400 years of non-stop traveling straight to it at the speed of light before you would get there. And that's not even close to the most distant object in our galaxy from us. And then, to, to, to what I was trying to do is just kind of boggle your mind a whole lot. To think, we are simply one of billions of galaxies. I mean, just think of this, the, how expansive the universe is. And God spoke it into existence. I mean, just it was done. That's just a little bit of power. I mean, I mean, just think, whatever, that, that lets you know that the God we serve, the Creator, I mean, there, there's nothing withholding, there is no limit to His power. I mean, and all He has to do is speak it. And creation out of nothing really is incredible. It reminded me of uh, that joke I heard years ago. There, there's this scientist challenging God. And he said, we, are, are, we have advanced 
very far with our science and we really don't need you anymore. We can, we can create anything you can create. And, uh, I, and God's like, oh, so you can. So you can. He says, yep, that's right. And so I don't remember all the lines. He's going through the process. He says, yeah, we can even, we can even create man. And he, and he goes ahead and he grabs some dirt. The science. And then God says, no, no, no. Get your own dirt. Man doesn't create anything. He starts with what God has already created. And he's learned how to use it. That's all man has done. And then trying to get a glimpse into the heaven that is to come with we, we talked about for the, really the last part where heaven is. The third heaven where God is. Remember, there's three heavens. The first heaven is the atmosphere. second heaven is where the stars and the rest of the universe is. And the third heaven is God's dwelling place. And we know we can't think of it in relation to distance like we can the second heaven because that's not it. We're dealing with something that's in a different realm. Um, it's, not, it's not like you can get on a rocket and travel there. It doesn't matter how fast the rocket goes. If you can go 400 times the speed of light straight up, you're still not going to hit it. This is in a whole different realm. And so we get a glimpse of it here in Revelation, which gives us some of the most, some of the most exhaustive teachings about heaven to come we find here in the last couple of chapters of the book of Revelation. And this is a change here that does take place Uh, for the book of Revelation. You know, you can think of all that it's talked about already. You have the message to the seven churches, and then it gets into everything that is to come. You have, the, you have what I believe the rapture taking place in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, an image of it. We know it has to happen there anyhow. You've got the elders that are going to come about. I'll be the representation of the church. And, and you have the, the opening of the, you, of the very first seal. You're going to have your seals, your trumpets, and your vials. And that's what the bulk of the book covers is God's judgment in a seven-year time frame with seven, uh, seven Seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials that are released. And how it just gets more and more and more severe throughout as God judges this earth. And at the same time, he's changing it. Because then you have the return of Christ, which takes place. So the Lord returns at the conclusion of the seven years. And he has, he has already completely changed the earth. It's fascinating. All right, Getting it ready... For his thousand year kingdom. We've got a small delay. There's a lot going on. Then you have the judgment of the nations that is going to take place. That's the sheep and the goats. Not one person who is still in this flesh has not been changed will go into that kingdom that is not saved. Not one. But they will have children. And many of those, isn't that amazing? Christ will be ruling on this earth. And still, there'll be a percentage of those that will not get saved. That won't happen. They will not go to the Redeemer for salvation. Man is stubborn. And so as we know, at the end of the... Satan is bound during this time for almost the entire thousand years. Then he's loose, part of God's plan, loose. And he allows one final deception to take place. And then, of course, God ends that. And at the conclusion of the thousand years... Satan, of course, is going to be cast into the lake of fire. We have the judgment day taking place. And then we have a... New creation altogether that takes place. New heaven and a new earth. A new creation hits. 
And here's John, he's saying this. This is at the conclusion. This is after the thousand years is up. Judgment day. And John says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. Interesting statement in there for what, what he's describing, isn't it? So, we know that the current universe, as it exists, God will destroy. All right? That will be, it'll be burned up. We can get into 2 Peter chapter 3. It is going to be burned up. It's going to be, it's going to be destroyed. On that day, there will be climate change. <laughs> and it will be dramatic and true. There will be genuine climate change. This earth will be burnt up, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And what we're seeing described for us in these final chapters is the best view we have of anywhere in Scripture of what our future home will look like. This is, this is what is to come. This is where we're going. This is what provides a hope in how we live our life right now. You know, what this reminds me of, not so much today with the mess and the chaos of this world and even the mess of our own nation, but it, do, it does remind me of when me and my, my brother primarily, I should not say me, he did the work on this, I did not. He had traced back all the way to New York. Is it Ellis Island where all the immigrants came in? Am, am I thinking right? So he found in the book our great-great-great-grandfather who signed his name in that book. And uh, the, 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 the first McGovern to arrive, uh, as far as our lineage goes, anyhow, into the United States. And then, of course, he went into the, the history of Ireland with what was taking place in Ireland and the starvation and the troubles and the trials to understand why he left. So, but let's think about those who had left. Let's go back to the 19th century. And just think for a second, the hope that this country actually provided. I mean, that, that was there. From the devastation they had seen taking place from different wars and, and, and all kinds of violence and everything else and starvation happening. But they all heard of this new world. You could just imagine the hope they had. I get to go. I'm on the boat. I get to go. You know what? If you're saved, you're on the boat. You get to go. And this place is so, so much better than America. This one, by the way, according to Isaiah chapter 6, 66, as well as other places, verse 22, this new heaven and new earth, here's something unique about it. This one is eternal. There is no end to it. This one will be eternal. As we see the earth we're in because of sin, it is decaying. It's decaying all around us. It's not decaying because we run automobiles. It's decaying because of sin. It's cursed. The sinfulness of man is on this earth. And you're not going to legislate that out. <clears throat> People in the world recognize it's decaying. They're right. It is. It is the curse that was put on this earth. But there's a new heaven and a new earth. 
And know what's neat about this? There's different laws of thermodynamics that come into play. And, the, and this one, just because of the creation of God, it will make those invalid. This one will stay, it will not decay. It'll stay perfect for an eternity. <clears throat> this is the place that Christ referred to, what we're seeing here in John chapter 14. I go to prepare a place for you. You know, if God is saying that, just think how excited he is to show it to you. Seriously, would you not be if you were a dad? If you were a dad, you had something so marvelous ready for your kids. Maybe you just made them a Christmas card. You couldn't wait for them to see it. Would you not be excited to show them? I mean, it's true. Those of your parents in here, you probably get more excited than your kids do when they're opening up what you got for them. Where you can't wait to see their face when they see it. I mean, I have certain Christmases in mind where I can remember that in our house when uh, the, the first furlough from New Guinea. And, and I went and got all of them musical instruments, all wrapped up, ready to go, with lessons. I knew all of them would love it. I did. It just wasn't a pair of jeans and something. It wasn't, I mean, I knew when they see this, they're really good. I don't have a clue what I got that year for Christmas. I didn't care. I just wanted to see, and I'm trying to, I get to distribute the gifts. So I'm trying to time it so they're all opening them up at the same time. And some of them were more challenging than others because of the size of instruments. But God is a perfect God. He's not an imperfect, sinful creature like I am. I mean, I could just imagine how exciting it is for us to see this place. Completely unmarred by sin. Perfect. The first clue we have at how different it is is the statement at the conclusion of verse 1. There is no more sea. Basically, we're water-based here. Do you know what role the ocean plays in almost everything that takes place in our planet? I mean... It's enormous. I mean, our weather, I mean, there's so much that is based because of that. And he's just letting us know right off the bat. This is really, really different. It's not operating the same what we're used to at all. <clears throat> I mean, right now we're in a water-based environment. Our existence is based on water. Try not to drink water for a few days. First time I was, I was pretty stupid. I was in Saudi Arabia. In the Air Force, and I decided I'm going to do my first, to me, was an extended fast at that time. Just, just trying to go for about a week. Well, I'm 22 years old, 21, 22 years old. I didn't know much about fasting, nor did I know much about the importance of water. And so I decided when you fast, what I thought you did was you cut out everything, including water. I'm in Saudi Arabia. This is not the brightest idea I've had. Well, by day two to three, I'm realizing something's really, really wrong. I don't think I should be feeling like this. And, and then luckily, I, I don't remember who gave me the wisdom, but that when you fast, drink water. That helped. <clears throat> so, no more sea is, is a major clue at just how different the new heaven and new earth are going to be. Not only is this a brand new creation, but look at verse 2. It's a brand new capital. 
And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So, I mean, look how God's presenting this city. There's a new heaven, there's a new earth, and there's this brand new capital that is going to be presented. And it's interesting. We can go in and out. Who's going to be the residents there? It's really fun theological debate to get into. And so you have this amazing city that will be the new capital, New Jerusalem. This is, I made reference to it last week. This is where John, you know, the only other time he did it was when he saw Christ. I mean, it's just out of awe and out of shock. And now what I'm seeing is, yeah, I, John, I saw this. There's this new city. It's coming down. This is the capital. This is the new Jerusalem. This is the new place of God. This is where God's going to dwell. And it's coming down. Isn't that everybody, when you listen to atheists today, well, if there is a God, why don't we see him around? Well, the day's coming, we will. Right now, you couldn't handle it in this sinful flesh. It would kill you. Again, here's this new capital, even referenced by Christ in John chapter 14. A holy city. I mean, today, all the cities of the world are so infested by sin and wickedness. It's just everywhere. Locks on doors, crime. I mean, and it's been that way throughout. But this city will be perfect. Completely perfect. Streets of gold. I mean. By the way, avoid those who try and spiritualize the book of Revelation and just spiritualize really the Bible. Many try and spiritualize away the New Jerusalem. Um, it's a very real place with the real city. Abraham was looking for it. We're addressed as pilgrims in the Bible. This is a real place. We see the new center of the city in verse 3. And could you imagine hearing this voice? And I heard a great voice out of heaven. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Amazing. He's going to dwell with us. It's going to be there. This isn't just, this just isn't, you know, uh, uh, our, our faith is made sight. This just isn't some fairy tale that's going to take place right here. We will have God dwelling with us. This is what makes heaven, heaven. It is. It's not going to be how spectacular the new earth is. It's not going to be how spectacular the new Jerusalem is. It's, all that's going to keep us in awe. It's going to be amazing to see. But what's going to make heaven truly heaven is God's presence and our relationship to God. <clears throat> There'll be no need of sun because of the glory of God will be present. Think about that. I mean, now we see God in creation. I can see the proof, the evidence of God in creation. I can, we can see the evidence of God in, 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 in men that come to Christ and how they change. I can see the evidence of God in the history of the world. But here, I'll see him. We will be in glorified bodies, and I'll be able to look upon him without dying. 
what is it, Revelation 22.4. Look over at Revelation 22.4. Isn't this going to be amazing? Look at that. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And what a we miss this often. Think how powerful that is, those next few words. And they shall see his face. Amazing. The center will be God. Everything will be about God. That, that, as he comes down into New Jerusalem, he is the center point of all of it is. All the commerce and all that's going to be taking place within this new creation, this new universe. Perfect. God will be the key to this entire place, to this entire existence. He'll be the key to joy. Psalm 1611, as the psalm was talking about, in thy presence is fullness of joy. I mean, this is literally going to take place. Psalm 41, I, I, I think it's Psalm, not Psalm 41, Psalm 42. Dealing with that desire for God as the heart uh, uh, panted after the water brook. I mean, to truly have a desire for God, yet to be in this place where He is. Let me read from one commentator here. He said this, The reason we should be longing for heaven is because God is there. And whom have we in heaven but Him? And, do we desire, and whom do we desire in earth but Him? He should be our supreme affection, our supreme love, our supreme desire. And if He is in heaven, then heaven should be the place we long to be. Again, if... If, if you're seeking to walk with God now, to love Him with your heart, soul, and might, I mean, this really is your goal, is this. But so often, we can get so caught up with the things on this sin-cursed, nasty earth, we don't even desire that anymore. We get so caught up in everything going on here, and we, we, we get, we, we're more worried about what we can gain here than there. Zephaniah chapter 3 talks about here, which I'm sure we all realize that. It's going to be one language. Perfect language. I will be able to speak clearly. Pronounce every word right. You know what? To me, the biggest surprise about heaven is in Luke 12. Look over in Luke 12. This still just boggles my mind. I even read it again this afternoon thinking, okay, this just, it's what it says. And I'll just read it. Jesus is the one speaking these words. Verse 35. I'm going to read down through verse 40. And 37 is the verse I want you to pay a special attention to. Jesus said this, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves, like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Now we have context dealing with his return. Look at verse 37. 
Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he, he, shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Did you get that? Who's doing the serving in that verse? Yeah. I just cannot imagine sitting down and the Lord doing the serving. I can't even comprehend that. Because we should be on our face, is it? I mean, what grace. And then lastly, four through eight. We've got a new creation. We've got a new capital. We've got a new sinner, God himself. And then as it finishes here, we've got a brand new constitution of the way this thing's going to work. Here we go. Here's how this thing's going to work. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne, so we know who we're talking about. Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the, of the fountain of water of life freely. And then he describes those who are present. In verse 7, and those who are in hell, in verse 8. So now we see a new constitution. I mean, we, I use that term, one, it gives us understanding because we know how important our constitution is to the United States of America. Governs how we live, or at least should govern how we live. The laws that are in place. It's one of the most, really, the United States Constitution is truly one of the most important documents in world history. Amen. However, the Constitution and the New Earth is going to be so much better. It'll be perfect. It'll be dealing with those who are in perfect bodies without sin. These verses basically show how life is going to be. And it's difficult for him to describe. See, you cannot understand what you cannot understand. Alright? That's just true. You, you, cannot, what you, can, you cannot explain what you have not experienced. I mean, think about Paul in trying to describe the third heaven. Because I believe it was him that went there. Uh, he didn't know how to describe it because of all that he had seen. He didn't know how to put it in, in, into words so that we would have understanding. 1 Corinthians 2.9, he talked about how it hasn't even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. So 
So John here takes an interesting approach through God's Holy Spirit leading, but he's still dealing with the sinful man in John who's trying to approach this incredible place that God's given a glimpse of and trying to put it into language. And so John goes to basically all negatives. Um, he said, this is where I'm going to start trying to explain this. Um, it's going to be very different. He starts off, I get this, there will be no more tears. No more hurt, no more tears of loss, no more tears of suffering, no more tears of regret, no more tears of remorse. That is gone. No more sadness. Do you understand that for eternity, once this happens, think about this, there will never, ever be a conversation you're going to have. Nobody will show up at your door. Not one person will show up at your door in heaven, or if we have phones there, I don't know how all that's going to work. I'm sure it's, 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 it's going to be living. We're going to have a city. We're going to have work and all that stuff. We're not just going to be playing harps and all that nonsense. This is, this is going to be a thriving creation of God. But not one time will we have somebody show up at your door with crushing, disappointing news. It'll never happen. Never. you will no longer experience those things that led to those emotions. They are removed. They're not part of the Constitution. No more death. Obviously, we're with God. Death is gone. It's over with. No more sorrow. No more grief. No more depression. No more pain. And I think this doesn't necessarily deal with physical pain. But you all notice, like, especially when you've, you, you, you've suffered in different ways, this, the pain that at times can just hit your soul. All that's gone. It's done. The former things are passed away. So all that we have known of life is gone. And he tells him, and it me, write it down, John. Write it down. This is faithful and this is true. And then the next one, man. He tells him, and he said unto me, it is done. Basically, we have that statement three times in Scripture in this context with God. Creation. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. The cross. It is finished. And here. It is done. And he goes on to say, the one who is declaring this I am the Alpha, and I'm the one sitting on the throne. I'm the one who spoke this, the, the universe into existence. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the one who can do this. In other words, listen. 
This isn't some nonsense out of the Book of Mormon. Isn't it amazing that all these different people like to get these visions of God and it, it just incredible, outrageous, demonic? This is God giving a glimpse to John. John, I want you to see something. And you can imagine, I mean, the creator's excitement just to, just to could you imagine seeing John's reaction to seeing this? And even the burden he felt when he was told to write it down, like, how? How do I write what I just saw? And then the Holy Spirit guided. Write this. No sorrow. No tears. No pain. No sadness. Water of life in reference. In other words, all needs will be perfectly met. So we're going to go into this new heaven, this new earth. New Jerusalem. I don't know exactly where I'm going to get to live. I hope it's in the city. Given a position by God himself. I don't know what that's going to be, but my career is set for me for eternity. I don't know what it is yet, but I do know this. Much is dependent upon my faithfulness right now. If I am faithful with what he has given me now, the Lord taught it over and over and over and over and over. This, seeing it all that's taken place in the earth and in life and people's struggles and trials, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful he allowed John to have a glimpse. John, write it down. Let him know what is to come. Let him know I'm the one that said it. It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega. John, I am the Creator. This is what is to come. With heads bowed and eyes closed.